he does and all he... That's a quite an amazing thing that the God of heaven, all he does and all he is, and yet he knows my name. Aren't you glad that he does? John chapter 16 this morning. If you've ever played baseball or softball, you know the excited feeling when you get, when you're on deck getting ready to bat, getting ready to shoot a free throw as a basketball player, you're a salesman, you're getting ready to close a deal and getting ready to make a good sale, contractor starting a new job or a fisherman with a fish on the line. All that's exciting, isn't it? That's why I feel this morning I'm getting ready to preach the Word of God. Excuse me if I'm excited as a novice, I just, I just can't get over it. I just can't get over the opportunity that God gives to preach the Word of God and to take a truth that can change a life. And I believe this morning that this truth can certainly change our lives. Look at John chapter 16 and look at the last line of that verse. And your joy no man taketh from you. Now, there are those that would like to take your joy, and you can give it away, but they can't take it from you. I'm going to preach about that today, joy that cannot be taken away. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit. This is quite an amazing truth in the Word of God, and I pray that I would not stand in the way of this truth being delivered in the power of the Holy Spirit but that I would be a clean and a usable vessel that you can use in your hands, not only for those who sit here this morning, but the many folks that will watch this service and this message around the country. I pray, Lord, that you'd use it to bless and encourage and strengthen your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen to the introduction, if you will. The Lord Jesus is speaking to his disciples, in fact, there are three chapters in a row that he is telling them in detail that he is going back to heaven. He has fulfilled his responsibility, uh, or he will, of uh, dying on the cross and raising from the grave. And then uh, he tells them after that he will go back to heaven not to stay. He will tarry in heaven as he does now, but on that appointed day and time, the Lord Jesus will appear in the clouds and we will meet him in the air. That's something to be excited about in and of itself. The Lord Jesus tells them that during this time of his being away that there would be some sorrows and difficulties around them. He said, but I want you to know that you can live in joy knowing that your sorrow will be turned into joy because I'm going to come back. He basically was saying, as we often sing, go ahead and rejoice, you are on the winning side. That's what he's telling them here. And in verse number 22, he closes this verse by saying, your joy no man taketh from you. It is important to note this morning that they could have joy both now and later. Don't miss it now. They could have joy both now and later because of the promise that he made to them that he would come again and receive them and receive us to him. 
I want you to open your Bibles again and look at the last verse of this chapter, chapter, 30, uh, chapter 16, verse 33. I have long loved and enjoyed this verse and found it to be a great source of encouragement in my heart and in my mind. He said this, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Now don't miss it. In this world you shall have tribulation. This important phrase, key to the message, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer now. Be of good cheer now. Though you may be in sorrow, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Several times, I believe seven specific times in the New Testament is the phrase, be of good cheer. In the Old Testament, you find a similar phrase that says, be of good courage. Now, cheer is an interesting word. That's what we do for a sports team or an athlete that is in a competition. We cheer for our athlete. We cheer for our team. We give them good cheer. We say, come on, you can do it. I know you can. Come on, I know you can do it. Come on. We give them good cheer. We are cheer gooders. We give good cheer. Regardless of the time of the game or the current score, we always cheer with a positive cheer because we are for our team. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Be a good cheerleader. You know, I've seen folks cheer when we's way behind. Now, the good thing about this kind of cheer, there's not a chance in this world of losing. We're on God's side. Even when our team makes a mistake and loses a point or lets the other team score, we cheer anyway and we say, hey, that's all right, we'll get them next time. Are you with me? Good cheer, cheer good. Now I want you to hear this statement. Not one time of the seven times when Jesus says the words, be of good cheer, was it a positive time. Every time he told them to be of good cheer, it was a difficult time. It would be a good Bible study. I don't have time to go through it in detail, but I'll just give you the list. A man is sick of the palsy in Matthew chapter 9, verse number 2. Jesus said, be of good cheer. Now, he's sick of the palsy. That means he's paralyzed. He can't move, but Jesus is on the scene, so he says, be of good cheer. During a storm in Matthew chapter 14, Jesus said, be of good cheer. Matthew chapter 6, in a storm, be of good cheer. John 16, in our passage, the disciples facing tribulation, be of good cheer. Acts chapter 23, Paul being persecuted in Jerusalem, he says, be of good cheer. Uh, Paul is in a storm, uh, the storm Eurachlodon. Uh, Acts chapter 27, and the instruction is, be of good cheer. Now don't miss it, we may have some bad circumstances now, but cheer good, cheer positive, be of good cheer, it's going to get better. I believe this with all of my heart. All Christians do not have joy, but all Christians could choose to have joy. We could all choose to be a good cheerleader. We could all choose to cheer good for our lives in the Christian life because certainly 
This is bigger than a ball game or a boxing match. God is in control and we are on the winning side. Now, I believe this. I believe that God commands us to cheer. In fact, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4, uh, Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I've often read that. And I've often said when I start reading it, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. I say, Amen, until I get to that word always. <clears throat> Six o'clock in the morning, that's tough. But anyway, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats it and says, And again, I say rejoice. I believe it's a command to rejoice. I believe it's a command to be of good cheer or to be a good cheerleader for the child of God because we're on the winning side. You can't name anything that's greater than God. The Bible said greater is he that's in us, the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world. So he tells us to be of good cheer. I also believe this. We can always do what God commands us to do regardless of the circumstances around us. I've been to ball games where our team was down and those that were cheering, they just kept on cheering. The cheerleaders, they kept on cheering. And the faithful fans, they kept on cheering. Now some sat back and folded their arms and said, I knew it. I knew they were going to get beat. And that's what some Christians do today. They have a bad day and they say, I knew it. I knew God was going to let me down. I knew it. That's not what he tells us to do. He doesn't say be a bad cheerleader. He says be a good cheerleader. Cheer good because we are going to win. This is what parents and grandparents of their team does. I remember my grandmother watching, in fact, I loved to watch two things growing up. We didn't have television in our house, and I loved to watch two things. I loved to watch my grandmother watch Saturday wrestling. She was more fun to watch than the wrestling. And I loved to watch with her the Kentucky Wildcats play, and of course they would play their games at 1130 on, uh, at night. It, it, it would be a replay. And uh, she would say, this is the dumbest time in the world to play basketball, 11.30 at night. And I said, well, Granny, they already played. This is a replay. She said, I'm looking right at them. I see them. I'm, anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> she was a good cheerleader. She was. I've heard her say when we got beat, I've heard her say, well, we won the first half anyway. Now, it doesn't really matter, but that's a positive attitude. And, and, and she never got beat. She always learned uh, she always uh, felt like it was a learning experience that was her team. Now get this statement. I believe that joy is the greatest level or the greatest version of happiness that we can experience in life. I believe there's happiness, just the basic level of happiness that's connected to circumstances. I believe there's the word blessed. That means happy, happy. I like that. Happy, happy. Not just a cheeseburger, but a double cheeseburger. Happy, happy. And then there is the word joy. I believe it's the greatest version of happiness. I believe, and, and I, I don't want to live on that level of moods and moodiness. I want to live on the highest level of happiness, and that is to choose to be of good cheer. That's choose uh, to believe in the promise of God. That is to choose the joy of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord, no man taketh it from him. That's what the Bible says. And the greatest or the highest version of happiness is a joy that that is chosen regardless of the circumstances of life.
You see, cheering good is a decision. It's a decision that's made regardless of circumstance. It's a decision that's made regardless of mood or feeling. Your joy, your decision of joy, yes, I know you have sorrow, but you're going to go ahead and rejoice. You're going to go ahead and be of good cheer because I'm going to turn your sorrow into joy. I'm coming to receive you. We're going to be in heaven for all eternity. Now, here's the application. What are you going to do with your current circumstances of life? You, me. What are we going to do with our current circumstances of life? What are we going to do about the condition of our nation? I'm gravely concerned about the condition of our nation. I'm concerned about what's going on in Texas between Governor Abbott and the federal government. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about what's going on in Israel and not just the nation of Israel and one terrorist group of Hamas, but all of the Middle East players. I'm concerned about that. My greatest concern is the spiritual condition of America. What, what, what about our conditions in life? What are we going to do with our current circumstances in life? Well, the instruction for us is, even though we're in sorrow, is to be of good cheer because God turns our sorrow into joy. So I'm going to go ahead and cheer now. I'm not just going to cheer when my team is ahead. That's happiness. I'm going to cheer when my team is behind, knowing that my team's going to win. I choose to have joy. Not then. I'm going to go ahead and enjoy the joy right now. I believe it's time that Christians today choose to control their emotions rather than their emotions and their moods control them and start deciding I'm going to cheer and cheer good for our team because we're on the winning side. What are you going to do with your circumstances? Let me use a sports illustration as Paul often used sports illustrations in the Bible. <clears throat> The Colorado Buffaloes football team have had for some time a failing or a non-winning program. They were 11 and 3. Year before last, they were 1 and 11. They chose a new coach this past year. His name is Deion Sanders. He brought great excitement to the team, to their college, and the entire town. I found myself every week checking the score to see how the Colorado Buffaloes did. I've never been a Buffalo fan. I didn't even know Colorado had a team and didn't know they were called the Buffaloes. <clears throat> didn't know that until they hired him as a coach. Now, why did they have all of the excitement? Did they win? No. They were 4-8 and eight this season. 4-8. and eight. You say, what are they so excited about? Don't miss it. Don't miss it. What are they so excited about? Because of the promise of victory that he brought. <clears throat> when he lost this year, they said to him, they said, well, you promised to win, but you got beat. He said, you better beat us while you can because next year you're not going to. 
Now, whether he wins or not, he decided to be of good cheer, and he's working toward a victory. Now, I want to tell you, that's what he's teaching us here. In John chapter 16, he says to the disciples, in fact, he begins in John chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And we find our hearts going from from troubles and trials to triumph, not because we're in that mansion, but because we're going to that mansion. And John 14 and 15 and 16, he told them, he said, be of good cheer. By the way, he said, when I go to heaven, I'm not going to leave you an orphan, or the word is comfortless in John chapter 14, verse number 26. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send another. That's the Holy Spirit. He's going to be with you while I'm away, and then I'm I'm going to receive you unto myself that where I am, uh, there you can be. And he said, I'm building you a mansion. And he said, while you may have sorrow on earth, just go ahead and let out a big cheer because you're on the winning side. Even though you haven't won yet, you're going to win. I could be discouraged about my nation today. But I've read of the power of God in revival in this book. I've read of Israel when Israel was such a terrible condition that God had to use the wicked heathen of the day to judge the nation. But he didn't do that to destroy them. He did that to bring them to repentance. And Jeremiah and Isaiah and the prophets of the Old Testament, they would say, have faith in God. Turn to God. Trust in God. Your hope is not in horses and chariots. Don't go down to Egypt for help. Look to heaven for help. You're on the winning side. Start acting like it. And that's the message all the way through. I'd be discouraged if there was no hope for revival. Ah, but praise God, there is hope for revival. You say, preacher, what if we don't have revival? I'll hold on to that hope until the trumpet sounds. And when the trumpet sounds, my sorrow will be turned into joy. Now look at me. You and I are not helping anything by being negative and discouraged about what's going on. You say, I don't see any hope. Look up. You say, I don't see any help. Open the book. There are situations where they told Jesus, you know what, they, they told Jesus, they said, you're too late, Lazarus has been in the grave four days. I ask you the question, was he too late? Jesus stood up and he said, Lazarus, come forth. If he hadn't called him by name, if he just said come forth, everybody in the graveyard had been up walking around. That's the power of God. That's the power of Christ. And the message is to never give up hope and what the world wants to do and they'll use any and every source they can from talk radio to all of the different things to say there's no hope. My job is to preach the word of God to you today and say be of good cheer. We're on the winning side. Be of good cheer. Jesus is coming again. Be of good cheer. There's hope. There's hope. I met with many dying people throughout my life and ministry. Those who enjoyed life to the last day were those who chose to be of good cheer. I saw Brother Haslam Smith just a just few hours, just a couple of days before he went to heaven. He said to me, 
thank you. Four different times he said, thank you. I read the Bible to him. He said, thank you. I prayed with him. He said, thank you. A man decided to be a good cheer. How could Joseph be, in a, be of good cheer while he was in the pit? How could he be of good cheer while he was in the pit? Don't miss it. He held on to the promise of God. What was God's promise? God's promise was this. God's promise was you're going to be the leader. You're going to be the savior of the people. You're going to be the savior. Joseph finds himself in a pit. Does he curse God? Does he get mad at God? Does he get angry at God? No, he holds on to the promise. What about when he goes to Potiphar's home and in Potiphar's house, he's falsely accused and he ends up in prison. Does he turn his back on God then? No, he holds on to the promise of God. What do I do today to be of good cheer? I hold on to the promises of God and the promises of God say that we're on the winning side. doesn't have to be a majority. All it has to be is faith in the all-powerful God of heaven. How did Paul, who wrote from prison and from near-death circumstances, write about rejoicing in those days? How was he of good cheer? He was of good cheer because he knew he was a winner. He had a joy that nobody could take from him. He knew that God was in control. He knew that God would use even his time in prison to accomplish his will for Paul's life. The Lord Jesus plainly said that the way would be rough. He told us that. Sometimes we're surprised. Sometimes we're as Peter. And Peter would say, and Peter would say, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened. You're going to go through sorrow. It's like saying to a child. I was talking to a gal yesterday at the volleyball game and uh, uh, Zuri. Uh, Zuri, how old are you? 16, 15. Uh, how's school going? Good. I said, what grade you in? She said, I'm a, I'm a freshman. I said, so you're taking good old algebra. She said, yeah. That's the way school is. Learning things we don't know. And then the day comes. Principal and teachers, everybody gathered around. The, ga- the, the, the graduates sitting there with their robes and their hats on, and, 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 and they call the name, and they call your name, and your sorrow is turned, your difficulty is turned, your trial is turned into joy. It's turned into a triumph. We don't help anything by giving up. And I say to you this morning, as the Lord Jesus says here, be of good cheer. We're on the winning side. That's what the whole book's about. That's the whole Bible is about. Take your Bibles and go back to the book of John. John chapter 16. Look at the illustration in verse 21. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. Why? For joy that a man is born into the world. Isn't it an amazing thing? You go from the tears of sorrow to the tears of joy. Travail is turned into a triumph. 
somehow we've come to the place in our generation that we want the triumph without the trials. We want the victory without the battle. We want the, uh, we want the overcoming without facing the enemy. Dear friend, not only did he promise us the victory, he promised us that he would go with us. In fact, as I said in John chapter 14, Jesus said, when I go away, the Holy Spirit will come. He'll be your comforter. He'll be your power. He'll be your strength. And he'll help you through. And I'll turn the sorrow into joy. So I say this morning, child of God, rejoice. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice. Jesus will return and the judgment of the world and sin will take place. Rejoice. Your sins are forgiven. Rejoice. His righteousness is on your account. Rejoice. Jesus is coming again. And as a child of God, we have victory in him. What will you do with your circumstance today? What will you do with your trial today? Complaining or telling God he's not fair, that will keep you in the same grade. And you'll have to repeat it and repeat it and repeat it until you say, okay, I'm tired of taking Algebra 1. I'm going to pass it so I can take Algebra 2. But that's where victories come from. Stand with me today. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, Christ died to turn the sorrow of sin into joy. The songwriter said, once I was a sinner, but I came, pardon to receive from my Lord. I'm glad this morning my sin and sorrow of sin is turned into joy. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a moment, he'll sing the invitation song. If you're here and you never trusted Christ as Savior this morning, you ought to trust Christ as your personal Savior. If you're here today and you've been saved, but you've not yet been baptized, you ought to make that decision today. In fact, if you've already made that decision, you're going to be baptized. You can go ahead and come right now even before I pray. And in just a moment, he'll uh, sing the invitation song. And uh, there are many this morning who needs to decide, I'm going to take my sorrow. I'm going to take my sorrow and go ahead and rejoice. I'm going to be like a grandparent that cheers on a grandson or granddaughter. Doesn't matter what the score is. There's still a good cheerleader. They're still cheering good because we are winners in him. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us today. No matter what our circumstances are as a child of God, we're on the winning side. No matter what our circumstances are, Lord, we're winners. We're winners. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, no one has ever improved their life by complaining. No one has ever comp uh, uh, improved their life by becoming a victim. Lord, we improve our lives by being victors through faith in you. Bless your invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The altars are open this morning. If you